to you by the Las Cruces Sun News. This is Straight Shooter. What is going on, everybody? This is Justin Martinez, a.k.a. Jay the Sports Dude. And if you are listening right now, let me just say thank you for tuning in to Straight Shooter, the podcast where I shoot from the hip and give you everything that you need to know about the New Mexico State men's basketball team. This is episode two of our season-long journey. So if you're a returning listener, then welcome back. I missed you. And if you're new to the program, well, then welcome to the family. Where have you been all my life? We have a jam-packed episode on our hands today. So sit back and relax because I got you. I'm coming to you from a place I like to call the saloon. So bartender, what do we have on tap for today? On tap today are takeaways from New Mexico State's first two games, an interview with Clayton Henry, injury updates, and lineup predictions. Alrighty, thank you, bartender. I have my lasso in hand, and it's time for our post-game roundup, the segment where I round up my thoughts on the most recent New Mexico State games. And in this case, the Aggies earned an 83-77 win over Arizona Christian on Sunday, followed by a 92-54 win over Benedictine Mesa on Tuesday. Both games were against NEIA opponents, and both games were played in the Phoenix area where New Mexico State resides. So let's jump into it with my first takeaway, and it's that the Aggies need Johnny McCants to be at his best. The six foot seven redshirt senior was the savior in Sunday's win over Arizona Christian with five points and one block in the final minute of the contest, but he really didn't have much of an impact in the other 39 minutes of the game. McCants finished with eight points and seven rebounds, which just isn't going to cut it, especially against an NEIA team. And that's no disrespect to the Firestorm by any means because they are the ninth ranked NEIA team in the country. And I believe they could beat a number of Division I teams, especially the way they were playing that night. But they're still an NEIA team at the end of the day. You could just see that McCants wasn't fully in game shape. He mentioned to me in the offseason web series Straight Shooter that I do that he had put on some pounds in the summer and he just didn't have that edge to him on Sunday, which is something he usually leans on to make up for being an in-betweener at six foot seven. Now to McCants' credit, he did bounce back in Tuesday's game against Benedicting Mesa, recording 11 points and 12 rebounds. He also played smarter on defense, committing zero fouls compared to four in the game against Arizona Christian. And he hit his first triple of the season too, which is definitely something the Aggies need him to do this year. So hopefully these will be the sort of numbers New Mexico State will get out of McCants as he gets some more games under his belt because he's definitely looked at as one of the leaders of this team. And now my second takeaway from this week's action is that Clayton Henry deserves his respect. The redshirt senior played in just one game last season and he only averaged 15 minutes per contest the year before that. But out of everybody on this team, Henry looked to be in the best game shape in the first two games of this season. The six foot four veteran went off for a career high 20 points to go along with five rebounds in the win over Arizona Christian. He shot seven for 11 from the floor, three for seven from deep, and even recorded a steal in the process. Henry then tallied 11 points, seven rebounds, and a steal in the win over Benedicting Mesa, and he did it all within the flow of the offense. He took what the defense gave him. He never seemed to force his shot, and he covered the most ground on the team, crashing the glass for offensive rebounds, diving for loose balls. You name it, he did it. Now, I don't want to say Henry is my favorite player on this team because I try not to have any bias with these guys, but I like Henry's game more than anyone on the squad. I'll just say that. Now, head coach Chris Jans was high on him going into last season. I've been preaching about him for all of this past summer, and it's good to see it translate on the court so everybody can see it too. And now we have my third and final takeaway, and it's that it's going to be a process 
for New Mexico State. As much as there were some bright spots in those first two games, the elephant in the room is that the Aggies shouldn't be in a close one with these sorts of teams. And I'm talking about that Arizona Christian game specifically. I'll say it again because it is important. The Firestorm are one of the best teams in NAIA basketball, but this is an Aggie squad that has hopes of making a run in the NCAA tournament this season. There's levels to it. And New Mexico State definitely wasn't playing at its level in that game. Now, I'm not one to make excuses for this team, but I'd be lying if I said the team's is relocation, its lack of practices, its denied waivers, and its injuries didn't have anything to do with it. All of that stuff obviously plays a factor. But again, the strength of New Mexico State's non-conference schedule so far has been very weak in the grand scheme of things. They have to be better, but it's going to take time because of all those setbacks that I mentioned. Now, fortunately for the Aggies, there's been a pretty large margin for error so far because of who they've been playing, but that's going to change soon. I'm looking at the game against Arizona on December 12th specifically, so New Mexico State has to start making some strides if it wants to live up to its expectations for this season. So those are my three takeaways, and now it's time to talk to one of the team's top players fresh off a stellar pair of performances. Here's my interview with Clayton Henry, bartender. Tins the channel real quick. You got it, boss. All right, guys, I'm one of the veteran leaders for New Mexico State, also making his straight shooter debut, Clayton Henry. Welcome to the show, my man. How are you doing? I'm good. Just chilling. Yes, sir. How is that, uh, that Phoenix bubble life treating you so far? Uh, it's treating me pretty good. I'm getting comfortable here. Um, yeah, just been going through it. Yeah, it looks like you're definitely adapting to it well with the way that you've been playing these first two games, especially that first game against Arizona Christian, a career-high 20 points. What was working so well for you that night? I was just really just letting the game come to me. Um, I was just doing what I do, just play hard, and I was just – shots were falling, and uh, I guess I just ended up with 20 that night. <laughs> Did you even know you were getting up into the 20 range? Uh, no, nah, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I knew that I was pr probably double figures, but I didn't know I was up in there. Got you. Now, you only played in one game last season after dealing with some injuries. I'm imagining it was a pretty big relief just to get back out there on the court again, right? What was that feeling like? Yeah, it was a great feeling. I mean, watching from the sidelines always sucks, but I had, like, a good support system with my family, teammates, coaches, just – telling me there's going to be a brighter side to it. So, but yeah, of course, uh, that first game was yeah, real. I was real excited to get that one going. Definitely. Your team needed that production. It was a close one, a six point win, but that next game against Benedict and Mesa, not so much, pretty much a blowout win in that one. What do you think was the biggest improvement that the team made from game one to game two that led to that change? I would say our flow on offense was better. Uh, the way we moved the ball, um, our decision-making. We still had a lot of errors on defense, but not so much, you know. Uh, just getting that first game rust out, you know. So I feel like that's just – that's all that changed throughout the second game. We still got a lot of things to improve, though, I feel. coming. What are some of those things you think that maybe the team should be working on? Well, defensively, I don't think we're – aggressive as aggressive as we used to be so we, we're gonna of course emphasize that and in, in practices and stuff and just get um sharing the ball more on offense you know our assist numbers aren't that high to the amount of field goals we shoot so or make so hopefully just sharing the ball and just be more aggressive on defense and communicate 
yeah, at least from my perspective, when I was watching the games, to me, it looked like you were in the best game shape of anybody on the team in those first two contests. I know it hasn't been a very conventional offseason and preseason with all the restrictions and relocating and stuff, but just how do you feel you are right now in terms of your conditioning and being in game shape? I feel like I'm in great shape. I've been just locked in this offseason, just uh, just getting prepared. So I was I knew that I didn't want fatigue to be something that would hold me back during games. So I just focused on that. I would, you know, just compete every day and get my my conditioning up. So that's what I did. And I guess it's paying off. Yeah. You mentioned those uh, the relocation is one of the setbacks, but also you guys are pretty much scheduling your games on the fly right now, at least your non-conference ones. I'd imagine it's pretty hard to kind of prepare and be game ready when you don't really know who you're going to play until a very like short notice. How have you managed to, to sort of stay game ready? I uh, just, co- uh, our coaches just always trying to just tell us that just, we always got to be prepared, especially this season, like the tougher team, the tougher teams and the tougher people are going to strive this year because of how, mumble jumble like everything's all over the place this year you might get canceled postponed at any time so just a team that can just go to the next one get to the next step will will strive this year and that's just something that I always kept in mind and just I always knew that there's going to be games there's going to be something happening so I'm just going to keep my conditioning top level and be ahead of others definitely now you guys are hoping to get a game scheduled possibly for this weekend but right now the soonest finalized date is one against Arizona or Arizona on December 12th. You didn't get to play in the game last season. How much were you itching to be a part of that one? And is that kind of adding fuel to the fire for round two? Yeah, I wanted to be a part of that game, of course, especially with the uh, large fan base and just, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited that we scheduled them. We scheduled them again. And they, as you, yeah, as everyone knows, like we didn't get our, give them our best shot, so. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing them next Saturday and showing them how Aggie basketball is. Definitely. Now you guys aren't going to be at full strength for that one. We just found out Jabari Rice, unfortunately, is going to be out for six to eight weeks, along with Kalen Williams. Jason King is dealing with an ankle sprain, I think, as well. Just what's it going to take for this team to keep racking up those wins while those guys are recovering? We're just going to have to up the, like, everyone got to give, give one more, one more level up. Um, I mean, no one's gonna replace what Jabari does individually. So, but we, as as a uh, as a unit, we're gonna have to just just play harder. Uh, everything practice has to step up. People just gotta step up. Yeah, now it's up to Coach Jans and the staff to figure out how they want to kind of rework the starting lineup. But it seems like any way you look at it, it's probably gonna lead to more minutes for you and also moving up and down the lineup, playing some of the two, some of the three, et cetera. Just how much are you looking forward to that opportunity? Do you feel you're ready to, to take that on? Yeah, I feel like I'm ready to take it on. Um, yeah, just moving up and down the lineup. Uh, just the good thing is I could, I could, I'm capable of guarding two to four. So it's nothing like that. I'm just so like out of the ordinary. Like, damn, I never played the four before. Damn, I never played the two before. So uh, I'm, I'm looking for the challenge, but it's, it's going to be a a test though so i'm gonna have to see how how everything works out yeah for sure now before i let you go i like to end all of these episodes by giving nickname suggestions to the guy that i'm talking to so if you don't mind i like to just throw a couple your way and you tell me how you feel about them how does that sound yeah it sounds good 
All right, now for the first one, pretty straightforward. You are one of the veteran leaders on this team as a redshirt senior, royalty on the squad. So how about King Henry? How are you feeling about that one? <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's, that's yeah, all right. It's difficult yeah. to start off, right? Not too bad. Yeah. Okay, yeah. next one. I know you take pride in being a defensive stopper. So how about no way Clay? Because when you're guarding someone, there's no way they're about to get a bucket on you. How are you feeling? I like that one too. Probably a little better than the first one, yeah. Okay, we're ramping it up yeah. a bit. Yeah. Right. I got one more here. I know you are from Calgary, Canada, correct? Yes. Yeah, and as I said, you are in great game shape, have that killer mentality. So how about the Maple Leaf Mamba? How are you feeling about that one? <laughs> that one's okay too. I think I like the second one though. Really? Yeah. Okay. No way, yeah. Clay. Yeah, there that one's uh, interesting, and go. I like and I like defense. So, yes, sir. There you go. Well, Clayton, yeah. that's all that I have, man. I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me, and uh, best of luck against whoever it is you guys are going to be playing next, man. Okay, thank you. Yes, sir. Take care. All righty, guys. So that was Clayton Henry talking about his hot start to the season, his role on the team moving forward, and more. Shout out to No Way Clay for sitting down with me since this was his straight shooter debut. I had to throw some nickname ideas at him. I'll be doing that for any player making his podcast debut this season. And for returning guests, I'll do the straight shooter superlative. So once again, big thanks to Clayton for finding the time to talk. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how the rest of this season goes for him. Alrighty, so that buzzer means it's time for segment number three, which is going to be injury updates for New Mexico State. The Aggies were already shorthanded entering the season. Mayan Kerr and Marcus Watson were denied immediate eligibility by the NCAA, and Kalen Williams is ruled out for all of non-conference play with a broken fifth metatarsal in his foot. But New Mexico State's active roster got even shorter this week, unfortunately, and it began in the team's season opener against Arizona Christian on Sunday. Jason King suffered a high ankle sprain during his Aggie debut, and he missed Tuesday's game against Benedictine Mesa as a result. Now, the loss of the 6'4 Sneed State transfer is a tough one because he was New Mexico State's only wing player off the bench. King is someone who has the height of a shooting guard, but has the strength to hold his own at the small forward position. And with him out, guys like Clayton Henry and Donnie Tillman's minutes will have to increase because they're just running out of bodies at that position. Now, we haven't gotten an exact timeline for King's return, but Jan said on Tuesday that he doesn't believe it's a long-term injury. King was walking around before the game against the Red Hawks, although with a bit of a limp, but it seems like he's going to be on a game-by-game basis moving forward. So that was this week's first injury, and the second one is even more brutal for Aggies fans. It was announced on Wednesday that Jabari Rice, the preseason WAC player of the year, is out for six to eight weeks with a foot injury. Now, I don't have the details on what exactly the injury is, but what I do know is that it occurred during the game against Arizona Christian on Sunday, and Rice played through it in the game against Benedictine Mesa on Tuesday. Now, the redshirt junior scored 15 points in 27 minutes against the Red Hawks, although you could see him limping at times, and his foot was iced up at the end of the contest. Now, Rice received x-rays on Wednesday, and that's when he was ruled out. So if the timeline holds up, the Houston native would be clear to return as early as January 13th, which means the only WAC competition that he'd miss is a two-game series on the road against Dixie State, and that's on January 8th and the 9th. It's back-to-back days, which is going to be the format for these games in conference play this season. Now, if Rice is out for a full eight weeks, though, he could return on January 27th. That means he'd miss both the Dixie State series and a two-game home series against UTRGV 
on January 22nd and 23rd. He then returned just in time for a two-game road series against Grand Canyon on January 29th and the 30th. Now, regardless of when Rice comes back, this is obviously a huge loss for New Mexico State, not just because he's arguably the team's best player, because all of the injuries that the Aggies are dealing with right now are in the backcourt. Williams is out, King is out, and now Rice is out as well. It's a tough break for New Mexico State, but hopefully all of these guys have a speedy and a proper recovery. So that buzzer means it's time for segment number four. The Aggies are going to be very short-handed for the rest of non-conference play. And the question everyone is asking is, what is the rotation going to look like now? Well, really, there are two options that New Mexico State can go with here. And I'll talk about both of them before saying which one I prefer. The first one is a starting lineup of Evan Gilliard II, CJ Roberts, Clayton Henry, Donnie Tillman, and Johnny McCann. So pretty much just take out Rice and insert Roberts. Now the biggest argument for this lineup is that it's going to be a fast-paced group. Gilliard and Roberts are the two quickest players on the team and similar to when Rice is starting, you'd have two guards who can facilitate in addition to score for themselves. But as good as that sounds, there are some concerns. The first one and probably my biggest gripe about this lineup is that both Gilliard and Roberts aren't the best on-ball defenders. There would be a pretty big drop-off in defense with Roberts taking Rice's spot, and the Aggies would be giving up some height as well. Having a 5'10 and 6'1 backcourt definitely isn't ideal, to say the least. And on top of that, the Aggies' only backup guards would then be Tennessee Owens and Bryce Rewalt, so that would also be a big drop-off when Gilliard and Roberts need a breather. Now, we saw both of the Las Cruces natives getting some early PT in the game against Benedictine Mesa, and they look fine, but part of that is because the Red Hawks are an average NAIA team. Those weaknesses are going to be magnified against Division I competition. So that takes us to our second option, which is a starting lineup of Evan Gilliard II, Clayton Henry, Donnie Tillman, Johnny McCants, and Wilfred Lakai at the five. Now, the biggest argument for this lineup is that the Yankees will have size. Henry is the same height as Rice at six foot four, and he's definitely capable of handling the ball. You're not going to get the same facilitating as you would with Roberts, but you're getting a lot more defense. You can even argue that the backcourt's defense would improve with Henry replacing Rice because to me, Henry is the team's best defender. Now, Tillman would also become a six foot seven small forward in this scenario. McCants goes back to the power forward spot, which is where he played for pretty much all of last season. And Lakai now becomes a six foot nine starting center, which is even more height than Ivan Adekoachea last season because he's six foot eight. So the Aggies bench also wouldn't take as much of a hit with this lineup as opposed to option number one. Roberts would be the team's backup point guard and shooting guard, which is what he already was in the game against Benedictine Mesa. And the team would still have Rashawn G and William McNair as backups in the front court. Aji playing the four and McNair playing the five. Now, the only problem with this option is that Tillman wouldn't have a backup at that small forward spot. But as long as either him or Henry are on the court at all times, I think the team can make it work. This could also be resolved relatively soon with the return of King since he's expected to come back much sooner than Rice. So with both of those options laid out on the table, I think the latter is the best one. Move Henry to the two and start Lakai at the five. We'll see what Jans and his coaching staff roll with. Alrighty guys, I know that's all we were supposed to have on tap for today, but after I finished recording this episode, New Mexico State added two games to its non-conference schedule, both of which will be played in California. The first one is a game against Santa Clara on Saturday at 3 p.m. Mountain Time 
followed by a game against Cal Poly on Monday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. So we have some bonus straight shooter content here, folks. I'm going to preview both games right now, and we're starting with Saturday's contest against Santa Clara. The Broncos entered a matchup with a perfect 4-0 record this season, and the team is led by Yosef Vrancic. The 6'9 senior is averaging a team-high 18.8 points per game to go along with 7.3 boards and 2.5 assists per contest. Francic is a nightmare to defend. This is a guy who can put the ball on the deck. He boxes out extremely well down low, and you have to be smart with your double teams because he will find the open man. He has good passing vision at that four spot. Now, Francic also shot 34.7% from distance last season, so he really does it all for the Broncos. Meanwhile, Jalen Williams anchors the team's his backcourt. He's a six foot six shooting guard who's averaging 9.3 points and a team-high 1.5 steals per game a real two-way threat Williams is someone who's going to guard the other team's best player and like I said he's six foot six so he really creates some problems at that two spot but he isn't the only one that's creating mismatches because height is not an issue for this Broncos squad their shortest starter is six foot five point guard Christian Carlisle and they have six foot ten sophomore Jaden Bediaco holding down the five spot that's another reason why I think the lineup option with Clayton Henry at the two instead of CJ Roberts is the way to go for this one because the Aggies are going to need size on Saturday so with that being said let's get into my key to success the key to a New Mexico State win is to force Santa Clara to shoot from deep. We know the Broncos have the size advantage down low, but they're only shooting 21.4% from behind the arc so far this season. This is a team that doesn't lean on its three-point shot. The Broncos would much rather pound the rock in the paint, so New Mexico State has to keep them out of there and avoid giving up any second chances on the boards as well. So that's a look at this Santa Clara team. Now it's time for my prediction. So can I get a drum roll, please? So for this one, I'm going with Santa Clara by a score of 67 to 63. I know, I know. Look, I probably would have picked New Mexico State to win this game by a close margin had it been scheduled before the start of the season, but things have changed since then. The Aggies didn't look too impressive in their first two contests. They're still trying to find their rhythm, and they're dealing with the wave of injuries in the backcourt. Now they have to start off Division One play with a game against a good Santa Clara team on the road. I just think it's going to be too much to overcome. But hey, I'm always fine with them proving me wrong. So we'll see what happens. So that buzzer means we're moving on to Monday's game against Cal Poly at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. The Mustangs went 7-23 last season and they're off to a 1-0 start to this year's campaign after earning a 100-46 win over Bethesda College, an NCCAA team, last Friday. Cal Poly returns last season's leader in assists per game, Keith Smith, the six-foot senior, averaged 2.7 assists per contest last season and racked up nine dimes in this year's season opener. Another returner is Mark Crow, who looks like he's going to be poised for a breakout season. The six-foot-five guard averaged 3.8 points per game during last year's campaign, but he erupted for 15 points to go along with seven rebounds in this year's season opener. Crow gets his points almost exclusively from behind the arc. He shot 38.3% from distance last season, but he definitely has those games where he can go quiet because he's more of a catch and shoot type of guy not someone who's going to create for himself finally the mustangs brought in riley till the six foot seven graduate student transferred from iowa this past summer and he racked up game highs of 17 points seven rebounds and three blocks in his cal poly debut on friday till never managed to carve out a considerable role with the hawkeyes his career high in minutes 
for a game last year was 15, but he's going to be one of the focal points of the Mustangs' offense this season, without a doubt. Till is primarily an interior scorer, not much range to him, but he has a nice touch around the rim, and he's a solid perimeter defender at that four spot. So those are three of the more notable names on this Cal Poly roster, but the big advantage this team has over New Mexico State is its depth. Only one player surpassed 25 minutes in the win over Bethesda College, and 12 players touched the court that night. The Mustangs just have more bodies than the Aggies right now, and that could definitely play a factor if it's a close game down the stretch because their guys would be more fresh. Now with that said, let's go ahead and get into our key to success for this one. The key to a New Mexico State win is to cash in from deep. Cal Poly gives up a lot of good looks from behind the arc, and that's a big reason why opponents shot 37.3% from long range against them last season. That ranked 333rd in the country. And when you look at New Mexico State, the team really hasn't found its touch from distance so far this season. The Aggies are shooting 33.3% in that department through their first two games. And they're definitely capable of putting up better numbers. Johnny McCants is 1 for 4 so far. Donnie Tillman is 0 for 4. And Wolf Lakai is 1 for 5. All of these guys have to start capitalizing from three-point range because Cal Poly has the height the rim protectors, and the finishers down low. So spacing out the floor and making the Mustangs pay from deep is New Mexico State's best bet. But now it's time for my prediction. So can I get another drum roll, please? So for this one, I'm going with New Mexico State by a score of 76 to 64. I think this is a much better matchup for the Aggies. It's a more winnable game than the Santa Clara one. The only setback still is the Aggies' lack of depth, but I believe they have enough weapons to come out on top on Monday. So that is going to do it for episode two of Straight Shooter. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, share it with the rest of Aggie Nation, and consider subscribing or following, depending on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If you guys want to stay up to date with all things Aggie hoops, make sure to follow me on Twitter at JadaSportsDude and subscribe to the Las Cruces Sun News. This has been Justin Martinez, aka Jada Sports Dude, and I'll see you guys next Wednesday. I'm out.